Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never, ever Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Today, it is all about giving God glory, giving him praise. All praises belong and are due to our God. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we lift up your holy name. We give you honor. We give you reverence. Thank you for saving us. We were dead in our sins. We were on our way to certain damnation. But you took pity on humanity. In your love, you sent us a Savior, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died a death that we should have died. We racked up a huge sin debt against you, Father. There was no way possible for us to pay that debt, not in this fallen nature, not when all we wanted was the darkness, but you've sent your one and only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever put their faith and trust and belief in him will not perish, but in fact have everlasting life. Father, words fail me to sufficiently articulate just how grateful I am that you've saved me. I was on my way to a burning hell, but you sent one of your precious daughters, 
to preach to me because I thought I was saved. Preached repentance, that holiness and righteousness and obedience is all what the kingdom stands for because I thought the kingdom of God was all about blessing my life with material possessions. Little did I know that I was serving a false Christ, a God of prosperity. Now, Father, we all know Scripture tells us you bless people with financial wealth. The problem with that whole damnable prosperity gospel is that that is all they talk about. They not praising you for the fact that you you do bless people with material, with possession. We see Abraham, we see Isaac, we see Jacob, we see David, we see Solomon, we see Joshua and Caleb. So it's not that you don't bless us with material wealth. The problem comes into play when we idolize those possessions and when we falsely under false doctrine come to you demanding that you bless us even when we are in sin even when we ain't doing right we are not obeying Jesus we only come into you in prayer to seek what's in your hand Thank you, Holy Spirit. The problem is no one is seeking what's in your heart. And what is in your heart, Father, is repentance. The recovery of the lost. What's in your heart? What's in your heart is Jesus Christ, who became a sin offering on behalf of humanity. But humanity is so stubborn. They are so lost. We were all so lost. Dead in our sins. Some of us were just outright rebellious. Some of us, we were indifferent. We knew right from wrong, but we thought we can hide all of that from you. And some of us are just skeptics, unbelievers. They want to live their lives. Their focus is on the here and the now. But Father, as your witness, I am here to proclaim to the world that God is good, He is merciful, He is kind, but He is also the God of fire and justice. Your justice demanded payment for sin, and Christ paid that price with His life on our behalf. So Father, all we want to do is to scream 
to the rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord and that if a man wants salvation, they must repent, turn from their sins and come to Christ so that his finished work on the cross, his shed blood can cleanse you so that you can have your past sins forgiven so that we are not condemned so we don't face your wrath so that we are no longer slaves to sin but that your holy spirit will indwell us live with us walk with us train us how to be righteous how to live holy so if there's obviously a lot that needs to be gutted out, will we go through sanctification with a smile on our face, with gratitude in our hearts and praises on our lips? Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, Father, if no one has told you this, I say I love you. And thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for doing this for all of us. Thank you for choosing a remnant, a people, special, all unto you. That, that in the ages to come, we can see just how kind and gracious and merciful you were. We didn't know you as Gentiles. We didn't have a covenant with you. If nothing else, the conscience told a man, that's wrong and that's right. So although we didn't have the covenant with you that you had with Israel, we knew right from wrong. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus that both Jew and Gentile can be grafted into one body of which Christ Jesus is the head. This was sure enough a mystery. Even the prophets of old wanted to know when, how is all this going to take place? That your spirit, not individually being put on people, but for all who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ can have the kingdom of God living on the inside of us. Your prophets, your servants of old, would have loved to have seen this day. That's why we don't take this for granted, Father. Never shall we ever take grace for granted or a license to stay in sin. When we, like Paul the Apostle said, we, the very ones who have been delivered from this body of sin. Because of your amazing grace that abounds more than sin, do we take that as a license to keep on sinning 
so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. The answer is no. No, 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 we do not. So, Father, as your beloved daughter, thank you. Thank you for saving me. And I shall live my life in abject gratitude. I'm going to live my way in such a life that characterize the righteousness of God in my life. Thank you for grace. And I ask for more grace. Have mercy, Father. Have mercy on the unbeliever. Have mercy on the scoffer. Have mercy on those who reject Jesus Christ. Give them time, Lord. May the Lord of the harvest send out his messengers. May we go out far and wide preaching the good news that as a sinner on the way straight to a burning hell as they await judgment, that if they repent, turn from their wickedness because you have made a way for sinners to be made right with you when they repent, turn from their wicked ways and turn to Christ Jesus to actually put their faith and trust in what he has done for humanity by dying on a cross, being buried, and on a third day you rose Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive still. 2,000 plus years after his resurrection, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven making intercessions for his saints. So Father, I pray the Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ, continue to send out his messengers out into the harvest. Because we know the laborers are few. That harvest is so plentiful. The Lord needs all of us all of us who are born again, to get out here and preach his gospel. We all have a ministry. We are to serve in the kingdom of God, preaching the ministry of reconciliation that a sinful man can be made right with holy God, have right standing with him when they believe and trust in Jesus. Receive him as Lord and Savior. Your children, all of us, must go out into the world and preach the gospel. This awesome good news that has been hidden for a long time. But Christ appeared. No longer do we have to work for salvation under the law. The law wasn't even given to the Gentiles. Nonetheless, we all must live holy. And the only way we can do that, Father, 
is to be born again, to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us so we can walk this sanctification process out and be ready and to teach others, to pull others from the pit, snatching sticks from the fire. We should all be teaching and training and making disciples, helping the Lord in his recovery mission of the lost. And not only that, to wake up the religious brethren. We all needed to be woken up, Father. We were we were so drenched in church stuff. We That's another sermon for another day. Have mercy on us all, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, listen. Today, it is all about glorifying glorifying our Father. And how do we glorify Him? By being obedient. By staying out of sin. We must never forget this. Jesus died so that sin will no longer be our master. So that God's wrath will not be upon us. He saved us from certain judgment. So the way we live our lives should be reflective of what Christ has done for us. We have to so understand just how dangerously close we came to hell's fire. Think about it. Think about it. We were on our way straight to hell, thinking we are having the best time of our lives, listening to music, rocking and rolling to the music, being part of the world and all of their satanic practices, which were hidden, hidden under the guise of entertainment. Mm-mm. We were lost. We were, we were dead in our trespasses. We were not living it up. We were in mortal, eternal danger. You have to understand just how close you were to being dipped in that lake of fire. Eternity is final and it is forever. So, we must, as children of God, co-heirs with Christ Jesus, we don't live a life of sin. We live a life of gratitude and righteousness. Yes, folks, it is doable to live a life of righteousness. Does that mean 
we are absolutely perfect in everything we do? No. No. But that still don't give us a license to cut up just because there's a possibility that we are capable to miss the mark. Those marks should be prayfully by now far and few in between. But you know what? Right, Holy Spirit. This is why sanctification is so beneficial. This is where we get gutted out. This is where all the nonsense stops. And sometimes we don't get the memo quick enough, but eventually we get it. You want to know why we we get it? It's because our mind, our minds are on eternity. I'm telling you, as a witness, you want to know how you can live a life of righteousness because it's not by your own merit. Let me tell you, that flesh man would love nothing more to be resurrected again and reign supreme in your life like he once did. When you put your flesh on the facts, the fact that God has said the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, And he don't care what color you are, what race, what country, what nationality. Okay? We who are in the beloved more, more is expected of us. Because we got his word. We got his spirit. So, the fact that we know what's at stake And if we choose to disregard the biblical fact, no sinner will inherit God's kingdom. Think about the punishment, the higher degree of punishment that we who knew better, who knew God, who knew the Lord Jesus Christ, tasted the goodness of the Holy Spirit, and for us to turn around after all of that and to go back out there into the world giving up your salvation because of what? Some offense? Because somebody in church leadership did something to you? Or you got sick and tired of seeing the wicked prosper? And you want to turn your back on Jesus? Well, 2 Peter chapter 2 says we will be worse off than before. And we know how worse off before we were as enemies of God. We were held bound. So I don't even want to think about what's what's worse than that. Because the Bible does talk about different degrees of punishment especially to those who teach and preach this word and then turn around, leave Jesus, and then start the madness with the false apostate church. So folks, 
we have to make sure that we are in fact prepared to meet the living God when he returns. That is why we cannot, we cannot play around with sin. And we, and we must, I, I don't know how else we can tell you this. You must come out of these false churches preaching another Christ, preaching a watered down gospel, some, some other, some other mess. Cause what Jesus preached, preached was repent or perish as he walked the roads of Galilee. This is what he preached. Repent or else you too shall all likewise perish. So some of these false brethren only want you to preach and proclaim God's love because for them that makes them feel better about their lives that are characterized by sin. Because when you are backsliding and when you are in the dirt and you know better, but you try to justify and get comfort from false doctrine like once saved, always saved, you don't want to hear nothing about repent, stop the madness, otherwise you will be judged because they will tell you in a heartbeat, I'm saved. God got me. Once saved, I'm always saved. So do you think that it brings glory to God now that you are being saved, so you say? Do you think it brings glory to him when you still, when you are still sleeping around with the people in the church nonetheless? Do you think that smoking weed, claiming is for medicinal purposes, do you think that brings glory to God? Do you think it brings glory to Jesus who died a horrific bloody, brutal, violent death for you. Do you think that brings him glory? Do you think it brings him glory when you come up with all of these excuses and, and rational and rational rationalizations that why you do what you do is okay with God as if he and the son authorize and tolerate sin huh or are you just ignorant of the fact that we can all still get it that's why the bible teaches we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling why shouldn't we if we leave it to the false doctrine of eternal security why why do we have to work it out with fear and trembling when we serve a loving God that will never send us to to hell 
You want to know why? Because it's doable that you can go back out there into the world and be lost all over again. And how greater will your punishment be because you knew the way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You you knew the way. You knew the way of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You knew the way that that gate and that road was straight and narrow. And Jesus said, few will find that road. So that tells us not a whole lot of people will be going to heaven. That's why we cannot get comfortable. We cannot be prideful to think that, well, I'm good to go. No, you're not good to go. Not if you are in willful sin. So what? You ask God to forgive you. Did you come out of it yet? Have you stopped doing it yet? So you proclaiming forgiveness means absolutely nothing. Because I keep saying it on the podcast. If that's the case, then shoot. Let me go get me another black little dress. Let me go get some some scandal sandals and put them back on. And and meet up at the club somewhere. Where's the weed man if all of this is okay with God? Because after all, according to you, he is too loving to do that. Folks, wake yourselves up. God loves Jesus. And he loves those who love Jesus. Not with lip service, not with all of your false praises, praising him on Sunday. Then by Friday, you back down at the club, putting your mouth on things. Mm, Don't get me started. Folks, this is a tight race. We all have to be our brother's keepers. Hebrews 10, 26 tells us why we should not be forsaking the the fellowshipping with one another. It's not so that you are tied, tied with a tether to your local brick and mortar church so that the the quote-unquote pastor can bank and count on your money because membership is comes with a price. No, that's not why the writers of Hebrews told us to not forsake the fellowshipping of one another. The reason is found in the next verse. Because if you put it in context, the writer was talking about sin and that how we can go back to it. So, if we are one another's keepers, we help, we hold each other accountable where sin is concerned. That if we see a fellow brethren off in sin somewhere, then we could pull the coattail. Sister, you're going the wrong way. My brother, 
You must stop that. You know that don't bring glory to God. And hold them accountable because verse 26 tells us, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Verse 28. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely to be punished no, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing, verse 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. And if you think God is playing... Let us look at Isaiah 26, 11. Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Uh-huh. Amen. Listen to this. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in flaming fire. With his powerful angels taking vengeance. Verses 8 through 9. Taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Amen. Still think God is playing? No. Hebrews 9 27. Just as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways. 
and according to the fruit of his doing. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Proverbs Proverbs 24, 12. If you claim ignorance and say, See, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs and examines the hearts and the motives? And does he and does he not know it who guards your life and keeps your soul? And will he not repay you and every man according to his works? Mm-hmm. Amen. Folks, listen. This salvation is nothing to be played with. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what's in it. That is why he tests us. He tests us where our faith is concerned because we can give him lip service all day, but that heart is far from him. And do you and do you not know he who knows the heart, who who tests the minds, will not judge you? That's why we must consider all the ways we take before the Lord. You have to understand what we do is being recorded in heaven. <clears throat> Don't believe me? Let's go to Revelation 20. The reason why I keep harping on Revelation 20 verse 12 is because books are being recorded in heaven with every deed, every action, every thought we have ever taken is being written down to judge you on judgment day whether or not these deeds are good or bad. Nonetheless, all of it, all of it is being recorded in heaven. Listen to this. I'm going to start at verse 10 of Revelation 20. John, right? He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the gospel, giving testimony of Jesus. They didn't want to hear nothing about that Jesus, right? So they sent him to this rocky place. What happened was a message from heaven. It was given to Jesus by the Father. Jesus gave it to an angel. And the angel gave this huge revelation and open vision to John. One of them open visions was about the great white throne judgment. You got to understand what Acts 17, 30 to 31 was alluding to because it was saying how in times past, talking about these Gentiles, right? In times past, God winked at man's ignorance because when Paul, when he went to, what was it, Athens, and he saw all these Greek gods that these Gentiles were worshiping. 
they were worshiping everybody from the moon, star, sun, all of that. So he also saw a statue of an unknown God. Gentiles didn't want to miss missing out worshiping a God. So this unnamed God would, would cover all of the gods that they seem to have missed. So Paul, in his dismay, was looking around this whole town, every place he went, he saw temples worshiping these false gods. And so he was telling them, he gave them this huge speech. It was on Mars Hill. And then we come down to verse 17, because he was telling them, because of all of this godless worship of these demon gods, these demigods or whatever you want to call them. He was telling them, look, listen, in times past, verse 30, God winked at man's ignorance. Ignorance of what? Worshiping all of these pagan gods, not realizing there is one true living God and when they meet that God, that they can be saved by putting their faith and trust in the risen Jesus Christ. So, before all of that, that's why, right, Holy Spirit, that's why Paul was there to preach them the gospel. Because he had been preaching. But these philosophers, these men of intellect, wanted to have further conversation with him because you have to understand what was going on in, in ancient ancient Greece. They believed they were so intelligent, that they were so knowledgeable. They, according to worldly wisdom, they were it. And what they liked to do was to discuss philosophy new teachings so that in their puffed up understanding, they can have a debate, a discussion. Listen, these people were, were rich. So they would build up for themselves these libraries and, 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 and amphitheaters for them to go and discuss and talk and, and mull intellectual things over. And so here come Paul preaching this new thing they never heard of before. A risen, a risen Lord, a risen Savior. So they wanted to hear more about the, the, the babblings of this babbler, as they called him, a babbler. Because what he was saying, it didn't make any sense to the Gentile. They're like, a what? A who? A resurrection? Don't nobody come back from the dead? What are you talking about? So let us all meet together. Because this was, quote unquote, another toy that they can play with. So Paul was telling them that in times past, God winked at the ignorance. Because that, that's just ignorant. God in times past, winked at man's ignorance, but that how now, 
Now after the cross, after Jesus died, rose, remains alive, now God commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set a day. And this is where Hebrews 9.27 comes into play. Talking about how it's appointed once for man to die. And after this comes the judgment. Well, Paul is telling them with this judgment day. That he has set a day in which he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man. Whom he raised from the dead. That's the proof that Jesus will be judged over the whole world when he returns. And so they were like, what? What you mean coming back from the dead? Some mocked him. Some who were so puffed up in their knowledge wanted to schedule another meeting to to further discuss because Paul made himself clear and the Bible says Paul left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to say all of that, we have to understand Revelation 20 back over here to a John with this open vision. In verse 20, starting at verse 10, John says, because I was telling y'all about the books and that how everything we are doing, whether good or bad, is being recorded. And so we see here, verse 10, John said, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw, this is John telling us about this open vision. This is, this is truth. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw, see, he's telling us what he saw. Listen, this is not a fairy tale. John didn't have nothing else better to do that day but to make up this story. Absolutely not. It's in the Bible for a reason. I hate to break it to all unbelievers, but there are no fairy tales in the Bible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So John said in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And we know Jesus is God. And the books, see, the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the, in the books. Look, according to their works, that the, ju- that the dead will be judged 
out of those things which were written in the books according to your works. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. So it does matter how you live this life. If you want to live your life in deception, believing that you can live any kind of way just because you've made a profession, a confession for Christ, but you but you have never turned from your willful sins. These things are being recorded. So it goes on to say that the sea gave up the dead and death. Oh, 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 oh. And guess what else is going to be thrown into the lake of fire? Death and hell. Yes, hell will resurrect itself of her occupants to stand before Jesus here. And so it says how death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works. And guess what? Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So let's count the bodies. We got Satan, the Antichrist, his false prophet, all of the unrepentant, Christ-rejecting, God-denying, gospel-hating, unrepentant sinners. And then we got death. And then we got hell itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. It says, mm-hmm. Verse 14, and death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15 tells the whole story of it all. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. And you know what? That's a daggone shame. That's a daggone shame. You want to know why? Because whosoever, whosoever is the, is the same whosoever over there in John 3, 16. That whosoever believe and place their faith in Jesus Christ, they can have everlasting life. Well, this is the same whosoever. Because verse 18 of John 3 Let's go to it because John 3 is all about the new birth. Christ Jesus was telling Nicodemus that in order for a man to enter God's kingdom and have eternal life, they must be born again, right? And then the old famous verse 16. Everybody loves John three sixteen. But nobody want to talk about John 3, 18, 19, 17, and 20, and 21. Mm-mm. No. So listen, I'm going to read it to you. 
So we know, right? For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son. So that whosoever, that's the same whosoever over here in Revelation 20, 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that is what makes it such a shame because that same whosoever could have put their belief and trust in him as savior shall not perish but have eternal life rather than eternal destruction folks listen we got to piece these verses together to make you aware of the fact the fact of the matter that if you choose on your own accord to reject Jesus, then you are the whosoever was not found in written. Whosoever name was not found. Whereas your name could have been found in the book of life. Over here, John three sixteen. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is to initiate this final judgment over here in Revelation 20, right? That is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Hallelujah. Verse 18, and here we go. Whosoever, whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. And then we have a semicolon. What comes after the semicolon? You can tag that on to Revelation 2015 because this semicolon is going to send you over here to Revelation 2015. So let's read it. But, 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 the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord, is judged already. That one, that whosoever, that one has been convicted and sentenced. Why? Why? It's not that God did not provide us a Savior. Is not because God has not made a way for sinners 
to be made right with him. He absolutely made a way. So why are people being condemned? Well, you want to know why? It tells us right here. The one who has decided to reject Christ Jesus as, as personal Savior and Lord, well, they are judged already. Why? Because he or she has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the only one who alone can save him. You got to understand the reason why Jesus is the only begotten Son of God because his birth was unique, truly unique, one of his kind. Ain't nobody ever been born of a virgin. Only Christ Jesus. That is what makes his blood precious and sinless. It did not come through the corrupted, sinful nature of Adam. Christ Jesus was born again. No, no, I'm sorry. He was born from above by the Holy Spirit. And when we get born again, it's the same spirit. We too are now born of God spiritually and not of the flesh. That flesh man died. So when we reject Jesus, the Bible says this is not God's fault. It's not that he just left us to die in our sins and didn't try to help us. It's not that he didn't send us a savior. He has done it all. There, right, Holy Spirit. Did we not just read Hebrews 10, 26, that there is no more sacrifice for sin? Christ Jesus, last lamb to be slain. He laid down his life as a sin offering on the altar of God. He gave up his life, his, his unblemished, perfect, sinless life, laid it down willingly, subjected himself to the shame of crucifixion, endured the suffering and the mocking and scorning and brutality of it all. After they whipped him with that kind of nine tails, they made him carry his cross. He was almost dead. He couldn't do it. But this man from Cyrene helped Jesus carry that cross. His, his device of death bright Holy Spirit. That's why we must pick up our device of death, carrying that cross, cru crucifying this flesh, denying ourselves in, in such 
a symbolic way how Christ gave up his self. Well, we give up ourselves too and follow Christ, following him to death if need be. If need be. He died for you. He laid down his life for you. So you mean to tell me you can't die to self and give up all of your worldly aspirations and ambitions? You mean tell me you can't give up your comfortable lifestyle to be seen as a fool in the streets preaching Christ when the world at large hates him? And looking at you as if you some idiot praising a God we can't see. And we do it anyway. We subject ourselves to the mockeration and the scorning and the offensive attitudes. Because I'm going to be nice with it. Dealing with the people who hate Jesus. And we go out there anyway. Why? Because we are grateful that God died for us. Setting his face as flint. And so back over here. Back over here to John 3.18. Okay. The one who, who has convicted and sentenced themselves because he or she decided to not believe and trust in the name of the one and only begotten son of God, the only one that is truly unique, the one who alone can save him. This is the judgment. Verse 19, this is the judgment. That is the cause for indictment. This is why this lake of fire is happening to you. This is the test by which people are judged. The basis for the sentence. This is why you will spend eternity in the lake of fire, if you don't repent and come to Christ, this is why this is happening to you. And the reason why it's happening to you is right here. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, capital L. So we know Jesus is talking about himself. He is saying that the reason why people choose on their own accord to be judged by God is because they love their darkness more. That's why. This is the fact why a person would would reject. <laughs> Glory be to God. Have mercy. This is why a person rejects the only one that can save them from this lake of fire. The reason being they love their darkness more than the light. It says the light 
has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. Verse 20. See, I told you. People stop at John 3.16. Because when, when we be preaching about right Holy Spirit. When we be preaching about verses 18. No, well, actually from 17. When we be preaching about verses 18 and 19. People look at us like we crazy. What? God loved the world. Yes. Keep reading. <laughs> That's what I be telling people. Yes. You right. He did in fact love the world so much. So much so that he gave. He gave the world a savior. But guess what the world did with his savior. They rejected him. Because when the false brethren. Because. In my personal experience, I have yet to have an, an atheist or an unbeliever come up and confront me. You, you want to know where all of my confrontations come from and have been with the quote-unquote Christian. Who once again keeps coming up to me when, when I'm telling them about the verse 18 and 19 and 20 of John 3. Why are you preaching that? God is love. How about this? As if I'm going to comply. But nonetheless, it don't stop them from constantly asking me this. Why can't you preach on God's love? Well, I am. Well, no. Because see, if you preach it like that, no one is going to come to Jesus. Speak for yourself. You haven't come to Jesus and you are self-projecting. You believe everyone thinks and behave like you. Wanting to be religious and spiritual, but don't want to put the flesh under. So you need to stand here and hear the message too. Because you are obviously deceived. So... Back over here for verse 20 of John 3. For every wrongdoer hates the light, capital L, and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. Amen. And rightly so. We were, we were condemning ourselves by the way we lived. So, verse 21. Sheds more light how we need to come to our senses. Didn't the Lord just say why this is happening to you? Why you are now facing God's condemnation because you chose. And if the child of God keeps playing with sin, well, then you want to be in this same line. Listen, God don't think you are too fine that you can't get it still. That's why the false doctrine of one saved, always saved is so damnable. 
and many people have died believing they had eternal security and lifted their eyes in hell and were shell-shocked. The Bible is clear. Scripture is unanimous. No sinner, the unrighteous, will inherit God's kingdom. Verse 21 of John 3, but whoever, okay, whoever practices truth and does what is right morally, ethically, and spiritually comes to the light, capital L, so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence on him. Amen. Glory be to God. So this is what we proclaim. We make proclamations when we go out here into the highways, the byways, and these hedges, prayfully pricking hearts so that they can understand what's happening right now. Some people are just lost, lost. We know all we can do is plant and water. It is God who gives the increase. Nonetheless, we know from Ephesians, from the foundation of the world, God has already chosen those who will be saved. He has already predestined. So some may say, well, if that's the case, why evangelize? Why preach the gospel if God already knows? Exactly. He knows. We don't. We don't know that he has chosen so-and-so, but so-and-so is still under the sway and influence of Satan and needs to be woken up. My hand is raised. Okay? Because I was all in prosperity. I was all about the word of faith movement. I was all about once saved, always saved. Once I'm in the family, I'm always in the family. On my way straight to a burning hell. Folks, listen. Red flag. If you say you are born again and trying to commit suicide, you don't have God's spirit living on the inside of you. And I don't care how much you love scripture. Mm -hmm. We can't be hearers only. No true born again child of the living God has depression over them. No, I know. I know. I hear it. Listen, the whole thing about depression is because you got yourself on the throne of your heart. It is all about your problems, who did what, when to you. You can't forgive. You, you are still mad at the wrongs that has been done to you. I get it. Okay. 
And we cannot be on medication to deal with depression when we have the Holy Spirit. Greater is He. Greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. No born again, blood bought, new covenant, child of the Most High God who was purchased. With the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Ain't got no business sitting on no one's therapeutic couch. When we got the Holy Spirit. And no. There's no such thing as a Christian therapist. Listen. And this is the close. I'm going to let y'all go. God did not authorize man to deal with the soul. No, 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 no. Only thing a therapist will do is to keep you in your pain by by rehashing it and giving you one, two steps on how to overcome. When Jesus gave us the remedy to overcome every offense, abuse that happens to us. And what is that remedy? Let's say it together. Forgive. Forgive them, but you don't understand what they done to me. Well, what have you done to God? And yet he forgave you. So are you greater than God? Are you, are you better than Jesus? Even when, right, Holy Spirit, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he cried out to the father, forgive them, forgive them. They know not what they do, but not you, though. Oh, not you, Miss Missy. You ain't forgiving Grandma. You ain't forgiving Papa because he touched me. And you call yourself a child of God, and you still holding on to hate, resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness, then you ain't going to make it. We must forgive. Come to Christ. He said, come to me. Come to me, all who labor, and I will give you rest. Folks, listen. I have come to realize, ain't nobody worth me going to hell over. Okay? So, I'm shouting it to the nations. I forgive every single person, whether they are living or dead. I forgive them all for all the hurt and the pain and the trauma and the abuse they have inflicted upon me because I've done worse to God and and he forgave me. So no matter how damaging and hurtful I believe, was directed toward me that's nothing what I did toward God and so I got some sense I forgive readily go your way I forgive you I can't be around you though because you dangerous (laughs) you tried to kill me okay I forgive you I pray Lord bless them bless them Lord you know their names. Bless them, Lord. I forgive them. I ain't got no animosity. I ain't fighting with anybody. 
I want to get to heaven and meet my Lord face to face. Amen. And I pray, brethren, remain faithful to Jesus. Don't give up on him. Don't get so beat down by this pagan world that you just throw in the towel, in a towel. Never give up. Never quit. Never give up on Jesus. He said, the one who endures until the end, that same shall be saved. Let us never forget that. Let us give our Father praise. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up holy, clean hands unto you. Father, we repent of any unconfessed sin, anything that we are doing that is not pleasing to you. Have mercy. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. All we want to do is please you. Serve our Lord. Let the Holy Spirit gut us out, clean us up, train us in the things of God. We want to meet you. We want to be citizens of the kingdom of God. We want to see the new Jerusalem. We want to see the place that you have prepared for us. I want to, and I know my brothers and sisters also, we want to experience life without pain without tears, without sorrow, without sin, without the devil, without evil and wicked people. We want, we want to live eternal life, partaking of the tree of life. I want to eat those, those fruits that every 12 months, the leaves bud a new different fruit. I want to drink from the water of life. I want to meet Holy Spirit. I want to see you face to face. I want to look at my Lord. Hug him. Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for saving my wretched soul. Thank you, Lord. Help me. Help me. In what you've called me to do. Give me strength, wisdom, tenacity, Boldness. This is all I want to do. I, I don't want to do nothing else on my own accord. All I want to do is what you have me to do. And I want to do that with great zeal. That's all I want to do. Any business plans, any money plans, any whatever plans, it goes out the window. If that don't line up with what you called me to do, I don't want it. I don't want to think about it. I All I want is, is to serve my risen Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God, folks. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Glory. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Bless your holy name, Father. All right, folks. I got to go. I got to go. Listen. Be holy. Live clean. Consider all your ways before the Lord. Judgment day is coming. Jesus Christ is on his way back. And God will judge each 
and every one of us according to what has been written in the books. Amen. Amen. Lord willing, until next time, repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company, keep telling y'all, will always corrupt your good morals. Do not be deceived. Get away from them. Get away from them and arise to righteousness. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye